2: Download the
0: Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last.
1: Minimum $10
2: per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield.
3: Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we have a packed studio. We have uh, the Austin Police Department Union inside the studio. Also, we have an Austin firefighter inside the studio. So, you know, we're having a serious problem with our elected officials, our mayor, and our city council not taking care of our... You know, the the Austin employees, you know, what is going on? They're not taking care of uh, this. You know, we have the situation where this city, the city has actually said, hey, you know, let's make Austin a, you know, just allow anyone to come to the city. Let's make it what do you call it? uh, A sanctuary city. It's a sanctuary city. So, you know, bring your poor, bring everyone And the problem is, if you do that, you make it a sanctuary city, then you're going to have to take care of people and provide some type of services when they do come, when you invite them here to the city. So now we've created this homeless situation, and we're not doing the things that we need to do to take care of the homeless. You know, they're here. There's a problem. There's a problem with the arch. You know, what's happening downtown. There's a serious problem with that. When you have people that are laying on the street, laying down at the arch, and they are passed out. Possibly even died, you know we need to we need to take care of them. You need uh, maybe some services or um, we need to we need to do something. something needs to be done. And also, you know we have our our employees who work for the city who have issues. They've had problems because they're great employees, been working for the city of Austin like a firefighter or a police officer, and maybe they've come down with cancer or something that that's related to the work that they're doing. And now the city is saying, "Hey, well, you know what? We're not going to pay for that." You know, I don't know what's going on. You know, our mayor, our city council, is spending that time going to El Paso and talking about non you know, non-document or undocumented workers, people that are not even citizens of this country. You know, in- instead of doing that, going to El Paso and talking about those people, we need to take care of the people that sent you to city hall. We need to take care of those people that are here in Austin, that are citizens of this city. So let me bring into the conversation Carrie Stewart. Carrie is an Austin firefighter. And Carrie, welcome to come and talk. Hi, thank you.
4: Hi, thanks for having me.
3: Absolutely, Carrie. So, Carrie, first, tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you been, you've been an Austin firefighter?
4: I joined AFD in 2000, so I just hit 18 years with the department.
3: 18 years. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. 18 years. I don't know how many people out there have actually been 18 years with the same company, but that's, that's definitely a milestone. So, you know, what, what are some of the things you've seen being an Austin firefighter? Uh,
4: I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot. I've, (laughs) I've been on top of an aerial squirting water on a house fire. I've helped resuscitate children that we've rescued from fires. I've helped cut people out of cars that were in horrible car wrecks. So I, I've seen a lot over the years and, um, Some of it you you try to leave at the station and you leave on the job, and others you you take it home with you a little bit. But seen a lot.
3: Absolutely, and you know it's you know it's you dial nine one one, and you ask for you know that person to come and help you, whether it's a police officer, where it's a firefighter or EMS, and you know what they show up, they do that job no matter how bad it is. They see you when you're at your worst, you know, saying hey, you know, I need your help, I need it now, and you're at your absolute worst, the bottom of the barrel. And you know what? They're there to do a job. They do it. They bring you back to where you need to be. And now we need to focus on those people right now. We need to give back, you know, because they've helped us out. You know, we've dialed 911. We've asked for help. We've asked for assistance. And now Carrie is saying, you know, she needs a little help, a little assistance, or just, you know, someone to, you know, pay attention to her situation. So, Carrie, um, you've been with the Austin Fire Department for 18 years. Oh, my goodness, 18 years. That's a very long time. And so what's going on?
4: I, I filed my cancer when I was diagnosed in 2015 as a as a workers' comp illness, and it, it was successfully granted benefits through the workers' compensation process. And after we got through a contested case hearing with a judge and was awarded benefits, the city uh, still didn't like that decision, so they have sued for those benefits. That's kind of the next step if they still don't want to, to pay benefits going forward so i was filed with a suit in uh, actually march of last year for my cancer claim
3: okay so you so you you contract a cancer mm-hmm. what type of cancer is it breast cancer breast cancer okay and they're saying that man i don't know why this video our video is like sideways for some reason that's really weird um but you um, so you, you wow that's and, and my grandmother actually had breast cancer so you know that kind of touches home and i i know you know out there, we've had someone, whether you're, you know, your mother, you know, your sister, uh, your your auntie or whatever, uh, had some type of issue with cancer. We've all known someone out there that had contracted cancer. And so, but yours, you're saying is related to the work that you do.
4: Yes. So we have presumptive law in Texas that if you have, you meet some stipulations about how long you've been on the job. That there's a presumption that if there's nothing else significant in your life that you could say developed or contributed to your cancer that there's a presumption for firefighters and emts that work could have contributed to to that illness and so there are very high rates of cancer in the fire service in general so type of cancer aside we have a 14 percent higher risk of risk of dying from cancer and a nine percent greater risk of con- of developing cancer as firefighters. So that's why the presumptive law exists. And we were able to show in my case a link with those judges between my service as a firefighter and my type of cancer.
3: Okay, so you were able to take this case to court, to district court here in, in Travis County.
4: Not yet. Not um, yet? We sat with, it's a contested case hearing as part of the workers' comp process. So we sat with a judge and presented evidence and testified I testified on my behalf for my case, and the next step is that the city has sued and and the next step would be that we go to district court
3: okay because I thought a case had gone to court or gone somewhere and it gone to the the appellate court or something like that that's something totally different that's different
4: okay. so it it was. We sat before a judge, and she heard the case, and then the city appealed that decision, and that went to an appeals panel, and they gotcha. refused to overturn that decision.
3: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. And so basically, you are you getting workers' comp right now?
4: They have paid for everything so far. They've reimbursed me for out-of-pocket expenses, and they're currently paying for my visits when I have to go to the oncologist.
3: But the city wants to – they want to get that money back.
4: They can't get it back by state law. So they've stated that they won't ask for it back, but they can't anyway. They just don't want to have to pay for anything going forward. And if I were to die from this cancer, they don't want to have to pay line of duty death benefits.
3: Wow. And and, and that's that's pretty sad because you know, you've you've given eighteen years of service to this city. You know, when someone's called nine one one, you've been there without a doubt, no question, without complaining. Uh, you've been an outstanding employee of the city of Austin. And so for the city to come back and say, you know what, you know, we're not going to take care of you, you know, I, I think that's very disheartening.
4: I agree. uh, It's felt like a betrayal that I've given a large part of my adult life to serving Austin and kind of feel like the city doesn't have our backs in return as firefighters.
3: All right. So we're talking with uh, Carrie Stewart. She's an Austin firefighter. We also have Ken Cassidy from the Austin Police Department, the union and also Justin Berry inside the studio. So we're going to talk to them. We're talking about the city of Austin. We're talking about homelessness. We're talking about our employees. We're talking about the people that are giving service to you and me. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
5: This is State
1: Representative Jonathan Sticklin, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Listen to Talk 1370 anywhere with your Amazon Echo. Just ask Alexa to play Talk 1370. Now
2: playing Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael
3: Cargill. All right, so we're back, and we're talking about the city of Austin. That's right, we're talking about our our elected officials, the people that we sent to City Hall to do the things that we need them to do. We're talking about this $300 million library that the city of Austin has and the fact that we spent $300 million on a library, but we're not taking care of our homeless. We're not taking care of the employees that actually work for the city. We need to do a lot better than this, uh, a lot better. We have a young lady in the studio today, Carrie Stewart, who is an Austin firefighter and working for the city of Austin. And she has, you know, she's come down with cancer. And so now the city is actually suing her for her workers' comp. This is insane to me. This is just crazy. You know, this. she is putting 18 years of service to the city of Austin, and now the city our, our, our mayor, our city council wants to sue her for her workers' comp. This needs to stop. We need to do a lot better than this. Your mother, your, your sister, maybe even you, you know, may come down with, you know, with some type of ailment, and we're saying, look, your workman's, workman's comp should take care of that. This, come on, city of Austin. We can do better than this. We can do a lot better. So let me bring into the conversation Janine. Uh, Janai, my co-host, she's familiar with this subject because I am not. And so I'm going to have to bring Janai in here to talk about cancer and what she experienced herself, you know, you're on, and, you know, what she experienced. So, you know, Janai, definitely come on in this conversation here.
5: Um, Yeah. As we were, we were talking early, earlier before the show started, um, going through cancer is, is one of the most devastating things you'll go through as a human being. You know, for me being health conscious my entire life, thinking I'm doing everything right, and then I'm hit with this. The last thing you want to do is have to deal with financial problems, and you think you're okay with the job you have, that they're going to take care of you. In the instance with Carrie, you know, every day her job requires her to to go into some situations where her her health is at risk and she's not saying, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I don't think I'm going to go into that building." No, it's it's I don't think I'm going to do that. She's going ahead. Now, she knows that going into the job, but she's also expecting her job to take care of her right. for ma- taking that risk because somebody needs to do it. Um and if because if nobody does it, then where are we at? We don't have people that will go help cut someone out of a car take someone out of a burning building. Mm. So she's expecting that. And for them to betray her like that, I I couldn't even begin to imagine how that would feel. And this is
3: Austin. You know, I expect Austin, you know, the city, and this is not a Republican problem. This is not a Democrat problem. This is not a libertarian problem. This is a problem of our elected official, you know, our city, our, our, our city elected officials who are not taking care of the city employees and they're not taking care of the citizens because you're creating this problem. You're creating the problem of, where you're saying this is a sanctuary city. So we're inviting, you know, anyone, bring, you know, bring your tired, bring your homeless, bring your undocumented, bring whatever to the city of Austin. If you say that, if you take that responsibility where you want to bring anyone to the city of Austin, the homeless everywhere, undocumented, whatever, then you have to take the responsibility and and take care of those people. And then same thing for our employees. Our, you know, our employees that working for the city. 18 years. I can't get off of that. 18 years. How dare you? have the audacity to say, you know what, I'm not going to take care of your workmas, workers' comp. I'm going to sue you for it. How dare you say that? That's just crazy to me, and I don't understand it.
5: Yeah, I don't get it. And, and they, they, to me, they don't make any sense because you hear situations like this, but then you go to, they feel for hourly workers. They want to make sure that they're, they're, um, that independent business owners pay for their sick leave, you know the 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 ridiculous thing that they passed that has being uh taken back, where they want employers to offer so many sick days, but yet she's sick, and they don't want to flip the bill. That's a little hypocritical,
3: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You know, and, and the mayor lives at the top floor of the, the W Hotel, you know, so he's living fine. He's having a great time. You know, how you doing, mayor? We can see you from where we are right now. Got a good view of the W. So, you know, hope you're having a great time because, you know, people are hurting and we need your help. We need you to do the job that you're tr- you know, you went to El Paso. And you say, you know what, I'm going to go to El Paso and take care of the undocumented workers, people that are just not even citizens of this country, let alone the citizens of the city of Austin. You know, you're going to go to El Paso and take care of those people, but you're not taking care of the people. You're not doing your job as the mayor of for the city of Austin. And so, you know, we need to do something. We even need to replace this mayor. Uh, we need to replace city council. Do something because you're not doing your job. You know, so Carrie. You know, I I need to know more. You know, the people, they want to hear from you. They're asking, you know, can you tell us a little more about your story um, and, and just what's happening right now?
4: Well, currently, we're just kind of we're kind of in a holding pattern with the lawsuit itself. So waiting to see what the next steps are. They have received a lot of emails and calls this week since the story came out on KXAN. And that has been beneficial. I think it's it's shown that people are paying attention. And if that can continue, I think that's a great step. In the right direction to seeing if we can get this lawsuit dropped, um, because it's not just for me. This would be for future city employees and for future city workers, future firefighters. That because
3: you're not the only pro- only firefighter actually having this problem.
4: No. So in in Austin, there have been no other suits, but we have we've had statements from city risk management about denying all cancer claims because they don't want to have to pay beneficiaries if someone were to die from cancer. And I I think that's a breakdown within kind of city management itself because the workers comp is there to protect people and to help people through injuries and illnesses and if we're having the mentality that we're just going to blanket deny any one type of claim then we're not truly looking out for our workers we're we're thinking of the bottom line being financial and not really taking care of our city employees so
3: you're telling me this is something that always happens this is you know the city of austin it's it's sop for them to sue the employees mm-hmm. that Filed, you know, no, but
4: for when we first started filing these cancer claims with the city, there were statements made in, in risk management meetings that they would have denials of these cancer claims because they wouldn't want to pay beneficiaries if someone were to die. So it, it just kind of illustrated a, a mentality that existed within that office that, that does need to stop because each worker's comp claim, whether it's cancer or not, should be looked at a, a, with its own merit and for that claim and not with a mentality that you're going to just deny any claim
3: Okay. All right, so let me go to our phone line. Our phone line is 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. And let's go to John. John, you say, how can we implement a plan to improve Austin?
1: Yeah, hey, Mike. Um, thanks for having me on. Um,
3: and turn down your radio in the background there, John.
1: I did. I apologize. Not a The problem. screener told me to. Um, I... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean I'm I'm confused between this whole um why people have to like the lady you have on the show right now, like no everybody should have sympathy and empathy for her. She's working, she's doing her thing, she's rocking and rolling, and she comes down with something. As a as a personal liberal, I'm like all for her. Like I wanna help her, I wanna do things for her. But then, as a conservative, when I look at things, you know, the city of Austin doesn't think about being that way. You know, where you got things like the rainy day sun in Texas. Austin's against that because they're like, "Hey, we can paint sidewalks, you know, the color of gay rainbows." I, I, how do we bridge the gap where we go from the left to the right to reality in the middle?
3: Well, we, we like need the it. lady. We- like the lady you're dealing with. I, I think we need our, our elected officials and to not pay so much attention to uh, the special interests, you know, and and really start taking care of the people, um, and and do what's right because it shouldn't take, you know, it doesn't take much to do the right thing. You know, we all know what's right and what's wrong, and so I I think they need to focus on okay, well, there's an issue with you know this young lady, you know, she's come down with cancer. She's worked for the city for 18 years. And she's filed a, co- a claim. The doctor says, hey, you know, we need to go ahead and take care of her. Uh, you know, it's gone through one panel. They say, hey, we need to take care of her. It's gone, it's gone up above that to the next level. And they say, hey, we need to take care of her. Send it back down to the lower level. Go ahead and take care of her. I think the city needs to take care of her, you know, because the, everyone is saying, hey, this is your job. The city, she's worked for you for 18 years. Pay her workers' comp. So comp. So it, to me, it's a no brainer.
1: Well, yeah, it's a no brainer when you, unless you do a cost benefit analysis, which is what I'm sure she's dealing with and hearing from her lawyers. Well, what How I would suggest doing. the city
3: of Austin do is not pay $30 million for a freaking, I'm sorry, $300 million for a library that no one's using except for, you know, I don't know who's using that freaking library. The fact that it's in the, it's, it, a story came out of how, oh, man, it's great. The city of Austin has the best library ever in the entire planet, the world, yeah. whatever. you know We don't need a $300 million library. What we need is to start taking, compare, taking care of our citizens.
1: Well, I agree with you, but the problem is, is that, again, the, the reason I'm calling in is – and this is something I'm sure the, the firefighter can know. Like in her personal life, she probably was more liberal than she did when she voted, as we all are. Okay. okay. Like, I have ton of liberal friends that go out and do the craziest shit that I would, I'm sorry, I all apologize, that right. no, right. I would never do.
3: All right. And, um, I, and I tell you what, John, I'm going to take that in consideration. I got to go to a break now, but we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk.
1: And I get my global
2: gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. I get no
3: All right, so we're back and we're talking with Carrie Stewart. She's a firefighter with the Austin Police. I'm sorry, the Austin Fire Department. And uh, also we have Ken Cassidy and also Justin Berry with the Austin Police Department Union inside the studio. And so let me go to uh, line two. Ty, you say you don't understand the specifics of what the I'm not sure what that is. So what specifics are you trying to understand, Ty?
1: Yes, yes, sir. Uh, I was just uh, wanting to know about the uh, specifics of the lawsuit. Or is the city suing for something else, they, uh, along with just the workers' comp benefits? Or is it?
4: They're suing to not cover anything going forward in the future, and they've also sued me for attorneys' fees with this as well.
1: So, so the the city of Austin is suing you
3: for attorneys' fees.
4: They are, yes.
3: Unfreaking believable. So so we so we need you, you know, to contact the city of Austin call the mayor's that, office for that's sure.
1: Not a problem. That's that's just despicable.
3: Absolutely. Because they need to do something because this is ridiculous. Thank you for your time. No, sir. Thank you for calling in. And I call in numbers five one two six four three live. That's five one two six four three five four eight three. Come and talk it. So let me bring into the conversation. Uh, Ken Cassidy and also Justin Berry with the Austin Police Department Union. Uh, definitely welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. All right, and so, you know, with, with with when it comes to the Austin Police Department, we're looking at our homeless problem. This is not a law enforcement problem. This is not policing. This is a city council elected official problem because they said, hey, you know, this is a – you know, this city is open. This city this is uh, – what do we call it? I forgot the, the term we use. Freedom City? Yeah, it, what – Sanctuary city or freedom city, yeah, sanctuary city. And so, everyone, you know, come on, bring your homeless, bring your tired, bring your, you know, your undocumented. And when you say that, when you say it's a sanctuary city, then you have to take the responsibility of taking care of those people, you know, when something goes wrong because you opened it up, you've opened the floodgates. And so, you know, what's going on, Ken?
0: You know, I think it's just mismanagement. Um, twice today, you've talked about the, the, Millions and millions of dollars they spent on the library downtown. I'll tell you, it's a nice library, but it's uh, basically where a lot of transients go now to hang out and and uh, clean their toes in the sink. Um, uh, it was not a good investment. Uh, they could have built it smaller, and they could have used uh, probably a fifty million to hundred million of those dollars to build a nice facility for these homeless people uh, somewhere else in the community, other than in the middle of the city. Where it's a uh, basically a death trap for those people that live there. There's uh, no hope of getting out, and uh, all you have to do is just drive down there on Seventh Street and look at it every day, and uh, you just see uh, a third world country mm. right next to the police station. Yeah, you and, you
3: have people that are afraid to go downtown to the Arch. Absolutely, you know, they say they're you know they're, uh, legitimate homeless people are definitely afraid of going to the Arch downtown because of you know the the crime that is happening around that little area there, and You know, it it it, it, and police the reason I say police is not the problem because you can put those people we can send an Austin police officer down there to the arch, knowing that someone selling drugs is doing something and they arrest that person, or they try to take that person to the Travis County Jail, the Travis County Jail is going to say, I don't want this person because they're too far gone. We don't want them in our jail. Take them to the hospital. You take them to the hospital, and the hospital, the doctor's like, I don't want them here at the hospital. You know, they can't pay for anything, so let's, you know, put, send them back out in the street. So then they're right back out within an hour or
0: less. You're exactly right. <laughs> if you go down there right now, you'd find dozens of people that have been arrested 50 to 100 times. Probably in the last five years. And, and we literally have people that are ODing right at the arch. Absolutely. Right there in front of us. Dying. Dying right in front of us. And it's, uh you know, we've worked our, our rear ends off over the last two years with the K2 epidemic and, and uh, several of the issues that uh, – And what is that? What is the K2? What
3: What is that? Because that's, that's a really big problem. So, Justin?
6: Yeah. um, So, I, I've worked downtown for over six years of my career. Um, some of it was in a specialized unit capacity, and we focused a lot around the arch because – that is literally the epicenter of most of our crime statistics stem from that point. Um, and so what K2 is, K2 is is uh, it's marketed and branded as synthetic marijuana, mm. which if you, you look at in the business side of it, I'm not going to market something as, oh, this is actually chemicals in here. It's not synthetic marijuana. It's more like PCP or... Any one of those so other it's not just marijuana. It's actually a
3: bunch of stuff, a bunch of junk that's added like into it.
6: We found RAID in there at one point in time. Oh, wow. Criminal, uh, chemical analysts in there. You know, this is stuff to kill other creatures, oh, and this wow. is being put in there. And so, But in the, they branded it as synthetic marijuana because they can market it that way to most people. So when we go out there, we would go out there and try to inform these K2 users of what's in there. And I, I, I even at one point even put an amnesty box up there when it was so bad. We had some people falling out. It's like, look, the greater good here is the preservation of life. Mm. Because that's what we care about as police officers. The preservation of life is our first duty. And so through an amnesty box, hey, put this in here, y'all. We're finding raid in here. We're finding chemical poisons here. that people are trying to kill you with this stuff. This is not a joke. This is why everyone's falling out. And they're like, we're going to smoke this till till whatever. We're not worried about that. And see, people are asking me, well, what should
3: this city do? What should the mayor do? Well, what, first of all, let's stop making this a sanctuary city. Uh, second of all, you know <laughs> – we need to have some standards. You know, you have a problem down at the arch. Let's start enforcing those. Let's make the hospital do what they're supposed to do. Let's go ahead and make Travis County uh, Sheriff's Department the the jail I- accept these people, hold them, you know, hold them in the jail, and then say, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do. At the arch, we're gonna actually, you know, not, re- in- not let not let people in. Don't let them in. You know, if if they're not doing what they're supposed to do and then get them some treatment, get them some help and say, hey, we're going to put you in this program. If you don't stick with this program, then we're going to kick you out of the city. Hey, it is what it is, because you know, it is what it is because it's got to stop, you know, because then if they're if they're not going to you know help themselves, you know, to be a better, better people, then we need to go ahead and just release them and let them go. You know, because you're you're a detriment to society and we just don't need you anymore. You know, Michael, the, and I know the, some people are gonna hate. Don't send yeah. me Facebook messages. Uh, don't call me at the store or anything like that. I don't care. It, it is what it is. You know, we either have to cut them off. You just like you have a family member that's out there that you know that has a problem, has an addiction, something's going on. You're trying to get them help. They don't want to let that addiction go. At some point, you have to cut them off.
0: Michael, um, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, this city is going in the wrong direction when it comes to the homeless, and you have. A lot of people that think the more and more money you throw at it you're going to get your way out of it but um, if you have dealt with people in the homeless community like Justin and I have for 20 years now um, they have to reach out for help and they have to want to help themselves and they have to want to get off the street you'd be shocked at how many people are out there that want to be there they don't want governmental rules they don't want the police they don't want anybody telling them what to do and they're happy being outside and people you know, they are probably listening to me like, "Oh, he's crazy." No one would want to live out on the street. There are there are a lot of people yes. that do,
3: and it is scary going downtown and parking underneath I thirty five there, right at Sixth Street. You know, it, if I have to go into um the you know, like uh, the county, not the county jail. What is that? That office that's right the same building that's the municipal with APD, court. The municipal court. Yeah. If I go into the municipal municipal court to do any type of business at all, you have to park underneath I thirty five there, and that is scary. It is really scary. You have to carry a gun to make it to the courthouse, which you can't do because <laughs> it's 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 insane right there. You know, you literally have people that are they're, they they run up on you and they're you know asking for money, demanding money. They're not even asking; they're actually demanding. They're very aggressive uh, to the point, And 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 I would never you know let any female from my family actually go down there and park there you know, to do any type of services at all. You know, it's it's really, it's it's terrible. And you know, if you haven't had a chance to go downtown and park or just drive through, take a look, you know, look at the arch, drive through, you know, take a look at the parking lot there underneath I-35, you know, and this is not a policing problem. This is a city council. This is a, a, a mayor problem. They're the ones that created this problem. They're allowing it to fester without
0: doing anything, you know. You know who's mastered this is San Antonio. San Antonio. Hey, they just in, give them a bus in, ticket in, and send
3: them to Austin. Instead, of that, they, <laughs> they do. They do. Hey, I know, and that's do. a true story. Yes. They literally will give you give them a bus ticket to send them to Austin. Yep.
0: They took all their money and instead of building a three hundred million dollar library or how much ever it cost, they built uh, a community out on the uh, countryside, and I believe it's the east side or west side of San Antonio. I'm not sure which one it is, but that's where all the homeless go, and they mm. take care of them out there. And if you go to San Antonio a lot and you go down to the entertainment area, how many homeless people do you see down there? Not Hmm. a one because they're being taken care of by the citizens of San Antonio outside of the city uh, uh, boundaries. And uh, it's a beautiful facility. Several of our chiefs have gone there. It's a great idea. But we built this library instead of building something for these people. A 300
3: billion dollar library right down smack in downtown instead of taking care of the real problem, the real issues that we have in this city. Instead, you know, we're we're, we're taking vacations to El Paso to talk about non, you know, uh, undocumented workers, you know, people that are not even citizens of this country. Uh, we we need and, and this is not a Democrat problem. This is not a Republican problem. This is not this is this is a everyone's problem. This is everybody's problem. We really need to jump in and say, this needs to stop. You know, the city of Austin, our elected officials need to do what they need to do because it's very sad when I'm, you know, on Ben White in Congress and an Austin police officer has to take, you know, on their own free time, has to take someone to a doctor's appointment, you know, go get the card for this, and ID and all this stuff because they don't have transportation, can't make it themselves. You know, they're taking their own personal time to take care of citizens, you know, something needs to change something needs to happen because this is this we've hit rock bottom and this this problem is growing it's getting worse it's growing um we're seeing it from from uh man from one one end of uh ben white there all the way until 35 and it's it's going all the way to downtown you go downtown you go around the arch this is getting really bad we really need to start caring about each other we need to go to city city council and say you know what you know city council You need to do something. You need to do something. Mr. Mayor, you know, come on down from the W Hotel, come down from your high rise there and let's start taking care of the people that, you know, put you or sit you to where you are today. Start taking care of them. Our police officers don't have a contract. That's another issue that needs to be addressed. We, you know, our 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 elected officials, you're not doing what you need to do. We need to take care of our law enforcement. We need to take care of our firefighters. There's no reason why this young lady should be sitting here. She served 18 years with the Austin Fire Department, and she is not being taken care of at all, 18 years. I'm just – I'm distraught. It's very – it's sad. It it hurts, you know, the fact that, you know, we have to go out. I I try to – you know, give some of these people. Uh, I try to give them pizza. I try to give them a lot of different things, and it, it really—it's sad, and it hurts. It hurts that we have civilians, we have citizens of this city that are suffering, and our elected officials don't care at all. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs>
1: And I get my gun news from Michael Cargill to come and talk it. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere with the all new Radio.com app. Check your phone's app store or visit Talk1370.com slash app.
2: Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill.
3: All right, so we're talking with Ken Cassidy the Austin Police Department Union. Also, Justin Berry. Also, we have Carrie Stewart. She's with, man, that's a famous name, Carrie Stewart. It sounds famous. (laughs) (laughs) She's with the Austin Fire Department. And Carrie's telling us about um, the fact that she has cancer and that the city of Austin is suing Carrie, you know, for the workers' workers comp, and so let me. I want to talk a little bit more about the the Austin Police Department and the uh, the contract and what's going on with that. So, what's what's the deal with the Austin Police Department contract?
0: So, it's going to take a little bit of an explanation, but uh, we worked over a year working with city management on coming up with a contract, and as a lot of people know, we took it uh, our membership voted by eighty five percent to accept it. On average, it was about a 1.9% pay raise for officers every year for five years. So 1.9 for five years, uh, which is less than the city employees get. They get about 2.5 every year. I think the firefighters took a little bit less than that. But uh, it was something that we worked hard on. We spent a lot of money on, a lot of attorney fees. And then we know what happened in December, one in front of city council and it was voted down. And the main reason that was given was that it just cost too much. But as over the last six to seven months, we're seeing, uh, well, it's maybe not the money, uh, but now it's the police oversight. There's just not enough police oversight. You know, we have cameras on our backs, cameras on our head, cameras in our cars. I mean, that's oversight. And, uh, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, city council has uh, a few members. We have some very supportive people on council, and we have some that have just blocked this uh, the entire way. Uh, mainly being uh, Jimmy Flanagan and Greg Kassar. And uh, they uh, are now saying that they want to have all this extra oversight that wasn't in the last contract. Uh, so uh, we're not sure what they want. We're not sure if it's a money issue or if it's an oversight issue. Okay.
3: And and so now what's happening with the vehicles? Because there's an issue with the vehicles and
0: um, something wrong with the, the, the SUVs that you guys had. Sure, there was. Um, we had a couple officers that were severely injured by carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, there was a deficiency in the uh, Ford Explorers that we had. Um, they've all been sent back. They've been uh, refitted. They've had um, exhaust manifolds replaced. Uh, so we were we sent the entire fleet off earlier in the year, and we just dealt with the few cars that we had left. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I can't believe we made it through that, but we did but uh, all those you guys vehicles... had
3: to use like rental vehicles or something we did that time i from...
0: mean it was it was crazy and uh but all those vehicles are back and we have not had any more exposures since they've come back so we're we're satisfied right now with the the work that ford motor company did but there is still a lawsuit with the officers in ford motor company uh because we do have two officers that are out uh with uh, pretty severe brain damage
3: now is there an issue with that with the city as far as their workers come uh
0: they have actually done a good job on that
3: but you but the the austin police department also have uh employees that that are having issues you know with
0: all the time workers comp is a nightmare workers comp was a fix um basically uh just to protect big business from uh uh employees and um i will say that uh, most of the dealings i've had with city of austin workers comp myself because i've had lots of injuries in 21 years um have been positive but i have had a few negative um you know right now it's kind of the popular thing is just to refuse all all claims and make people go through an appeal process and make people jump through hoops to where they just get exhausted and they're like screw it i can't do this anymore just mm. I'll, I'll pay for it myself oh wow and uh, that's become a big problem here in the city
3: now as far as the contract is concerned how does that relate to like hours and overtime You know, with the contract and right now without the contract.
0: Um, Right now, we uh, have had a lot of officers leave. They're disgusted with uh, the way they're treated by city council. Normally, we lose about four to five people a month. Right now, since December, we're losing about between nine and 11 a month. And uh, they're going to other departments. Uh, so we're spending $100,000 to train them, and now we've got these younger officers just leaving here to go to other places like San Marcos, New Bromville's Going oh, to smaller cities. Smaller smaller cities. And uh, that's that's the city's loss. Uh, it cost over $100,000 to train one person.
3: So we're seeing the same thing that's happened in Dallas with the Dallas Police Department. We're seeing that happen here in Austin. Is it also affecting the pension? Uh,
0: it, I it. Believe it is. Uh, we actually just because uh, like in, th-
3: like in the Dallas Police Department, yes. you know, it, it's a big, big, huge yeah. problem with their pension, and and they're worried that, you know, when they get down to the end, there the officers that are left are not going to be able to get access to their pension.
0: That is correct. So you know, the fewer and fewer officers, that's fewer people that you have putting into the pension. So uh, we've conducted a study that uh, we should have the results back uh, beginning of early next year. We've hired a new actuary. And they're taking a very close look at it because, uh, you know, just the common sense and the math of it is, is that it, over a period of time it will affect the pension. And uh, that's something that we need to uh, – um, that we've privately talked to counsel about uh, and let them know that that is an issue and, and uh, they're
6: aware of it. Mm. And, and Justin? Uh, you know, um, Ken's more more knowledgeable of the pension system than, than I am. Um, but it, it makes sense. I mean, just follow logic, right? Logic and common sense. You know, um, it's, it is unfortunate. I've talked to some officers. We just lost a 12 a year officer, 12 years. You know, why are we losing officers in that middle range right now? I think that's, that's, that's very concerning because those officers actually have more than a hundred thousand dollars of training put into them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, when these, these city council members want to talk about fiscal conservativeness and, and financial responsibility, you just threw away a hundred thousand dollars, man, per officer. Right. That's going to cost more in the long run to retrain new people coming in to make up for that than if you had just retained the one you just had. All right. And then someone's asking, well,
3: when it comes to, like, oversight, um, do you think there should be, like, an an independent um, group or something like that that actually does that?
0: So we have been in what they've been calling stakeholder meetings with lots of uh, individuals from around the city, from ACLU, Austin Justice Coalition, the Austin Police Association and city management, and uh, what we've come up with is uh, uh, taking civilian oversight out of the contract and let them run it how they want to run it. Um, they believe they can uh, skirt uh, section 143 of uh, the government code, which controls uh, IA files okay. and the way. So basically, the way things run is if the if you're sustained on and you get a day off or more, your file becomes public and anybody can see that. If you don't get days off or you're not sustained for this one, that case is locked away forever and nobody can ever see it. No one has access to it, not even the officer and his attorney. Oh wow. um, And uh, if they want to sit down and look at and review Chief Manley's discipline of officers, because of those are open records, they can have at it, and we're, we're inviting them to do that. Um, but, you know, they still want to have the Office of the Police Monitor, which is uh, Farrah Muscadine, uh, to uh, oversee and, and monitor investigations by our internal affairs uh, unit which we've had for the last 18 years our officers Michael have accepted oversight with open arms for the past 18 years and people just keep trying to grab and more and more and more and they think they know how to do it better and uh, actually they don't you had Nelson Linder on here a few weeks ago you know Nelson's been uh, was a huge supporter of the contract. He's been with us since the very beginning. He's been here, has much more history in the city than some of these youngsters from the Austin Justice Coalition, and they have ruined everything we ever worked on for the past 18 years. Mm. And uh, you know we've worked with uh, the NAACP and several others in the community for all that period of time, and now these young people that think they know better are trying to come in and dismantle what we've built. And if that's what they want, we're, we're, we're going to welcome them with open arms and do it but I don't think they're going to like what they get.
3: Right. Yeah, because I think some people are asking for, like, I guess a separate, totally separate group or organization to actually do, like, the oversight whenever there's a police-involved shooting or something like that. Correct. Um, you know, so, you know, kind of like what are
6: your thoughts I mean, on that? You know, for, for me is, we like, like Ken said, we, we openly embrace um, oversight and accountability. For the sole fact of, I value my reputation as an officer. Right. I don't want to work next to somebody that is corrupt or is dirty or has issues because that, guilt by association. I'm going to be people are going to assume I'm that same way. So we take a lot of pride in not having those bottom the barrel applicant problems here in Austin. We're hoping to keep it that way. We hope the city of leadership wants to keep it that way because um, I know the citizens definitely want it that way. Um, and so when we look at these kinds of things, we look at uh, oversight and accountability and things of that nature. It's like when you Go, say you need open heart surgery. You're the recipient of that surgery. Do I need to dictate and tell my surgeon how to do that surgery? Or should I, should, I, should he have gone through enough schooling, enough training to have earned the trust? And I think that's kind of where we're at here is, you know when, when you have these groups that want to control policies and control the way things are doing things. I'm all for input, because maybe they're seeing something we're not and having that fruitful dialogue, but to actually have the full control over that. Think about that as a citizen, that you have an activist group Controlling the police department, the way they operate. What if you don't think it the same way they do politically? Do they, do they now own the police department and the way they do things? I can write a policy that forces them to do this or not do that. Those are the kind of questions that when we look at, we took an oath to, to defend our community and look at all these different things. And part of that is also using some common sense and good logic in, in these, these conversations. So we want that. Every citizen basically has a camera on them at any point in time. It's called a cell phone. We have cameras all over us. We have a cornerstone that is the foundation of our profession that's called integrity. And the moment I lose that integrity, I am immediately fired as I should be fired because of
3: that. And then also, you know, we have uh, the Halo that's downtown. What's the Halo program?
0: You know, the Halo program uh, is uh, a series of of cameras up and down 6th Street. And I can personally say from experience, uh, there was a viral video that came out with me apparently punching a guy in the the head uh, after he had assaulted one of our— police horses downtown and from the angle that it was videoed from it looked like I did but they pulled the halo cameras which were right on top of us and it clearly showed that I delivered a uh, strike to the guy's shoulder to get him down to the ground and uh, that's just one of the many benefits of having those cameras we have shootings caught on a regular basis downtown on halo cameras uh, people dealing drugs um, people uh, committing leaving the scene collisions in the parking lots downtown. So, I mean, it, the, the cameras cameras don't lie. And uh, they pick up everything downtown, and it is a force multiplier, and I wish we had more.
3: All right, so we're talking with Kenton Cassidy. We're talking with Justin Berry with the Austin Police Department Union. Also, we have Carrie Stewart. She was She's with the Austin Fire Department. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
1: Hello, this is Gerald Darty and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Common Talkin'.
2: back to come and talk it and now here's michael cargill
3: say so, you know yep. today is a yep. sad show you know it's down all down gloomy down downtown down. overcast it's you know I, I love this view i'm gonna miss this view this is our last time here in intercom studios we're actually moving to a different station and so I, i'm really I, i'm just gonna miss this view what do you think Janae? you're gonna miss this it, it's a beautiful view of downtown austin
5: Sure.
3: Oh, <laughs> can't say that I gotta get i sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry 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 <laughs> yeah so yeah it's it's yeah it's, it's a beautiful view though i'm definitely gonna miss this view gonna miss downtown so yeah we uh, gonna miss our family here at intercom studios they've been very great uh, i love everyone i've had a chance to work with here at intercom so i want to thank you guys for taking care of us our producers um the old producers the new producers you guys have done a great job of taking care of us making sure we do the right thing so i really appreciate that so definitely thank you guys All right. And that was not me making that crank phone call to your cell phone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, Jani, you were saying something during the break and you're talking about downtown Austin because your business is located downtown. So you, you know, have a lot of interaction with the homeless and and people down there because you live there. You work there and, you you know, you do everything downtown.
5: I I live downtown and, and I own a business downtown and I was asking these gentlemen if it was my imagination or is crime getting worse downtown because it it, I've been downtown about I've been living downtown for three years but I've owned the business for five and it just seems to be getting worse and worse and as I was telling you earlier um, most of the time I do carry a gun when I go to my store in the morning I hadn't for a while and the other day I just something told me no bring your gun today and and, and you really have
3: to listen to that, yeah, you really I do. Know. you really do
5: and and I did. And I was so thankful because my daughter and I were there. It was early in the morning, and a gentleman came in with no shirt on. And that's what I was asking them, What are these people on? I don't know. I don't know how to determine what someone's on or or figure out what is making them act this way but he appeared like a zombie kind of he had no shirt on and i at first told him i said you can't come in here with no shirt he went outside i don't know where he got a shirt but he came back in and he sat in there for about 30 45 minutes just in the corner staring at us looking to the back looking at us looking to the back and finally I grabbed my gun, I put it under the counter, and I told my daughter, I said, it's loaded, it's ready to go, but I want you to call 911 because I'm not feeling good about this. And she was like, well, nothing's happened. And I said, that's right, I'm not going to let anything happen. <laughs> and so they came and they escorted him out, um, but it was scary. And, and I see that more and more and more when I'm walking to go somewhere downtown. There's just more and more aggressive aggressive homeless there, people. There,
3: there are a lot of things that you know that don't hit the news you know you have a like I, i've said on this show before there's a rash of people that are going to different businesses like bitcoin atm machines and they'll go in and they'll pepper spray the employees and break into the machine and steal the money out of the machine and stuff like that uh you have a, a lot of um business owners who get followed from their business uh to the bank or home and get robbed, and they're not, you know, they're not saying anything about that because that's embarrassing. Yeah, and it happens a lot, you know. And so, yeah, there are things that actually happen that's not on the news that you don't hear about, and people say, "Well, I didn't see that on the news. It wasn't on this station. It wasn't on that station." Because people don't want to do a news story on that because it's embarrassing that, that happened to them. The fact that you know. You know, this business was robbed or they were robbed going from point A to point B because they have that same routine that they do. You got to change your routine up. You got to look in your mirrors. You got to check yourself. Don't you know, don't be in the business of at the end of day, you know, you're taking that cash and doing that drop at the bank. You need to do that at a different day. Um, or different times, or something like that. Definitely use your head when it comes to that stuff, because people are watching you. They're sitting in the parking lot. They're casing you out. They're watching you. They're looking at your routine. If you're doing that same routine, you know they're definitely going to catch up. It's going to catch up. With you, you know,
5: um, to really allow that to hit home, I'll quickly tell you tell the viewers the story of my sister. I grew up in North Carolina. My sister and her fiance, his dad owned a ch- uh, several Pawn shops in North Carolina, and um, three, four people. It was it was a mother, her son, a father, and his son. They staked them out, figured out their routine. My sister lived out in the country, and um, they broke into their home and were waiting for them when they got home. Duct taped them, held them hostage, killed her, took her fiance to the pawn shops the next day, robbed them all. Then held my sister hostage for two days, murdered her down a dirt road, shot her in the back of the head, mm. and her body wasn't found for nine months. So people do watch and follow. It happens.
3: <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Uh, yeah, that's sad. I, I know, um, Justin, you know, with the Austin Police Department, you know, you guys have seen a lot of things. You see this stuff, you know, firsthand, you know, so, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give people, you know,
6: business owners that are out there? I think um, the biggest advice I can give right now in 2018 is get off your phone when you're walking. I mean, let's be honest, you know, being distracted makes you vulnerable. There's a reason we have eyes and ears is to be aware of our surroundings at all times. You know, I think most of our uh, criminals look for crimes of opportunity. They look for vulnerable people. They're not going to go after someone that looks prepared or looks ready or looks like they're aware of what's going on. You know, they're looking for people that won't be able to describe them to the police if they get caught. They're looking for people that are distracted. So the biggest thing is be aware of your surroundings first and foremost. Be prepared. You know, like like the Boy Scouts saying is be prepared. You know, be observant. Be aware of your surroundings. And you hit a big thing is is if you're in the business community and you're you're carrying, you know, large sums of cash to the bank to deposit and stuff like that, um, you know, change up your routine. Change up your plan. Change up which branch you're going to go to. Um, You know, don't be predictable. Don't be the one because if – you are one of those businesses that, that are being monitored to get targeted. You're, those are the smarter ones. Those are the ones that are putting together a plan, putting together an action. They're going to know you. And there's also the ones that look for crimes of opportunity. And those are the ones where you need to not be on your phone because you may be that opportunity. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I, I make it a routine to never take money home, <laughs> you know, because uh, I don't want someone to follow me to my house, change it up. I take different routes to the house, you know, even though they can probably Google my home, you know, Google it online anyway, and find out where I live, you know, but I, I definitely try to change that routine up. And and then the family takes a, a big role in that too. You know, the family's gotta be, you know, vigilant as well and making sure they're aware of what's going on. That's why, you know, I keep 16 cameras at the house, 16 cameras at the shop, you know, two cameras in the vehicle. So no matter what, I'm always on camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's good or bad. <laughs> that could be good, that can be bad. Always definitely on camera. Um, so Janai, um, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, your, you know, your cancer episode that you had, you know, because you had a scare as well. And we're going to talk about that um, in about two weeks. I think we're going to have we're going to talk about that on our show. Yes. Mm -hmm. About cancer. We're going to have some specialists in the studio and talk to us about, you know, what you went through and what a lot of people are going through, even men.
5: Yes, Um, we're gonna. uh, September is ovarian cancer awareness month, and actually prostate cancer awareness month, and so we're going and uh, we're going to have um, uh, the director for ovarian cancer here, um, and I'm gonna get an oncologist to come on, and and I'm gonna reach out to someone from the prostate cancer uh, organization as well.
3: And then, Carrie, let me ask you, how did you? figure out that actually you you came down with cancer how did you know it was cancer
4: um i i had a, a lump and actually we didn't find that until my husband tried to cop a feel in the kitchen one evening and i swatted his <laughs> hand away and um noticed that like a couple inches below my clavicle i had a lump on my chest and it was biopsied and then we determined that it was a stage one cancer
3: Shame on the husband trying to cop a field. <laughs> <laughs> Find a little humor in there somewhere. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. So, and then, and you know, once that happened, then you, you guys, you know, took the steps you need to take. And did you have to have any, any surgery? Or?
4: I did. I chose to do a bilateral mastectomy, so I did the big surgery. And and what is
3: that for people that don't know?
4: Um, it's where they pretty much remove all breast tissue from your chest. Mm. Um, and I started the reconstructive process then, so I was able to do reconstructive surgery a few months later to kind of put everything back in place.
3: Yeah, I, I remember my grandmother going through that, and that was very, it was, it, it changed her whole demeanor uh, because, you know, she was in her 70s, and she had to have her entire breast removed, and that was very hard for her, you know, because you know, she felt like she wasn't a woman anymore because she had to have that, you know, that breast removed. And I remember her talking to me about that and crying about it. And that was, oh, that was rough. That was really rough.
4: Yeah, so there is a large mental aspect to the whole cancer diagnosis and recovery. And Jenai was talking about that earlier, just kind of what, just wrapping your brain around all of it. And we're we're discovering all the time that, my cancer aside, that we're we have firefighters diagnosed with different cancers all the time. So we're
3: what what are what are some different levels of different cancers that you know other firefighters are experiencing? Uh,
4: we've had prostate cancers, kidney cancers. Uh, the most prevalent cancer in the fire service is testicular cancer, a large incidence of that. But we're seeing multiple myeloma. We're seeing uh, mesothelioma from exposure to buildings when they burn and asbestos being in those in those structures. That we're seeing large larger numbers of. Mesotheliomas in the firefighting population, also. All
3: right. So, for those people that are, you know, that are saying, Hey, Carrie, we're behind you, Um, we need to contact the city. You need to contact the mayor's office, contact your city council member, and say, Look, you know, this is a shame that the city is actually suing um, an employee of the city. You know, whether they're a police officer, whether they're a firefighter, you know, we shouldn't be suing that person. You should be standing behind them because they're doing the job that you wanted them to do. You hired them to do. They're doing it for years. Outstanding job. So now we need to take care of them because they've taken care of us. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
1: Peace. This is Maj Touray. You're listening to Come and Talk It
3: Radio with Michael Cargill.
1: Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere on the Radio.com app. Welcome back
2: to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill.
3: All right, so, man, there's been some crazy stuff happening around in Texas this week. I tell you, you go to Dallas, you have this Dallas a police officer that, you know, she she finished working her shift. She goes home and she goes to the wrong apartment. How in the world do you do that? I, I, I just don't get it. And then down in Houston, you know, in Houston, an officer is standing in the airport with an AR-15 and discharges it and a round goes into the ground. Look here, and people are saying, "Oh, that's Barney 5. No, Barney, Barney wasn't allowed to have bullets, so that wasn't even Barney Five. You know, I don't know what's going on there. How do the I, I? And I can imagine, I can imagine him standing there, in the in the airport, and flicking his safety switch on and off. You know, safety, fire, safety, fire, with his finger on the trigger. I can just see this. I I see people do that all the time, and and that's how things like that happen. You know, finger off the trigger unless you're on target, ready to fire. Leave it on safety. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's just you know, just those things there. So, and and then in Dallas, how do you go home to the wrong apartment? I don't care. I've been in some drunken state. Let me tell you. And people that are, you guys know, I can be in a drunken state. And no matter how how terrible I am, I go home. I, I know where home is. I always make it home, no matter what happens. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on that, Ken? That's just crazy.
0: You know, I. I've heard so many rumors over the last two days. My well,
3: producers give me nasty <laughs> looks over here. <laughs> I,
0: I, uh, no, I've i heard anywhere from a dating relationship to not a dating relationship. Um, I do know that they were working 12-hour shifts, and uh, you know that's a, about a 14-hour day plus two hours of overtime on top of that, so that's a 16-hour day. And I'm not making excuses. Uh, I mean, this is just a horrible tragedy. I don't know what happened, but, uh, I can guarantee you the, the Texas Rangers will get to the bottom of it mm. and figure out what happened. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I've had officers commit crimes here and if, you know, they've done something wrong, then you deserve to be indicted or, or prosecuted. You know, we had someone that, uh, was accused of uh, murdering his, uh, uh, baby's mama and, and a baby, uh, in utero two years Ooh. ago. And, uh, you know, just like I said, he deserves, you know, equal rep, uh, Fair representation, just like everybody else in the community does. But if he committed the act, he deserves to – to uh, de- for, for the crime, deserves the death penalty. Oh, yeah. And uh, In a situation
3: you know, like that, I mean, charges need to be brought. You need to bring charges, and that person needs to be locked up just like everyone else.
0: Sure. And, you know, we, that's people – my biggest problem with um, actually just shootings in general and, and uh, death in our community and officer-involved shootings is that people jump to conclusions Uh, You know, there's a certain talk show in town that in the afternoon that, you know, it's always doom and gloom and the officer must have screwed up. And I mean, until you know, and there's an investigation that's been completed by professionals, you know, it's just, it's pure speculation. I'm speculating right now. So uh, the Texas Rangers will get to the bottom of it and we'll figure out what has happened. And I know the media played up a big, uh, it was on Yahoo and uh, on uh, the Dallas uh, WFA today that, uh, oh, my God, she had been involved in another shooting. Well, that's where she was fighting with a, a, a criminal over her own handgun right? and uh, her, her taser. You know, that's a non-issue that has no business even being brought up in this conversation. Um, this is a totally separate incident, and that uh, she did wrong, she deserves to be prosecuted just like anybody else. Now, someone says that you do a good Clinton impersonation. Is this true? I, that's not true. I do not. I do, I do, I, I, you I just, on the spot. I, I do I, uh, I got it right here.
3: This dude could do a great Clinton impersonation. That's what he just said. Someone just told me this.
0: That is not true. Is that you? Um, no. They, they got you confused it's with someone else. Actually, it's not me. Um, uh, you know. I'm sure it would probably have something to do with Monica Lewinsky but I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're just mess with you. Huh? I think they are.
3: All right, so uh, someone was asking for the telephone number to you know, to contact the mayor uh, with some of these issues and and Mayor Adler's number is 512-978-2100 and I'll put this in the um, in the Facebook feed as also, also it's 512-978-2100. That's 512-978-2100. You want to contact the mayor and say, hey, mayor, we need to do something. We need to um, there's no reason why the city should be suing an employee for workman's comp. You know, it's already gone through the process and and everyone has said, hey, we need to go ahead and pay Carrie, you know, continue to pay her for her benefits. Uh, Let's go ahead and do that. She's she's worked 18 years for the fire department and now you want to sue her, you know, to not pay for her workers' come and, and that's, that's unacceptable. So definitely call Mayor Adler. You know, he's at the W Hotel. He's looking at us. We can see it from here uh, at 512-978-2100. That's 512-978-2100. Definitely give the mayor a call. Let him know. We need to do something. Um, and they need to stop what they're doing there, and we need to also do something with the homeless situation. The homeless situation is not a policing problem. It's not a policing problem. This problem is a city council. It's a mayor problem. You know, we say that the city of Austin is a sanctuary city. We're allowing people to come here because, you know, bring your your tire, bring your, your homeless, bring your your undocumented. Then you know what? We need to take care of them when they get here, if that's what you're going to do. You're creating the problem. So now it's time for the city to fix the problem. All right. So, Kerry, um, what, what do you want uh, the people to know about you, your situation, what's going on? What's the next step?
4: Uh, the next step is hopefully we can get with some city council members and educate them on my claim in my case and the suit that the city has filed. I don't think that all of the city council or the mayor were aware that this had happened uh, before we brought it to their attention. So hopefully we can educate them and have them collectively recommend that the city drop the suit. That would be the next steps. But if people can continue to call and request that the suit be dropped, um, I love working for the city of Austin, but I do want them to do the right thing, and I don't think that this lawsuit is doing the right thing.
3: And you should be able to get your attorney fees back as well.
4: Well, so for part of state law is that I can't pay an attorney. So unless I'm claiming damages, which I have not, I can't pay a workers' comp attorney. That's state law. So, so, so you
3: have to pay your, you're paying for an attorney out of your pocket?
4: I am not. I cannot pay for an attorney out of my pocket for a workers' comp claim. Unless I claim damages, he would get paid out of those damages. Gotcha. So he is working pro bono for me right now. Okay, all right,
3: and then um, let me go to uh, Justin Berry. You know, what do you want people to know with, about the Austin Police Department?
6: I think you know, um, there's there's a lot of, of talk about you see the, this this movement about you know, pitting the community against the police. You know, we see that here with our own city council members trying to pit the, our own citizens against our own police department. I go, the moment you see that it should be a massive red flag as a citizen. It's like, why is someone trying to make us and the police against one another? Why are they trying to do this? Because at the end of the day, we come from the community. We're there to serve and protect the community. We're not there as, as what's often been portrayed as the oppressors of the community. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. You, even you mentioned, you've seen firsthand, officers are driving vulnerable people in our community to go to get to their appointments because they're not safe to do so because the city created an environment where it's not safe for them to do so. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things is I, I often ask for people to, to look at different perspectives of things, you know, have fruitful conversations, have dialogues. I meet with people all the time, like, what can I do to change your perception? in law enforcement, what can I do? Because you've been told so long that I'm here to keep you down. Or I'm here to make your life harder. Um, what can I do to show you something differently? And, and, and I've really enjoyed those conversations with people.
0: Okay,
6: and then and Ken Cassidy.
0: You know, um, participate in government. Um, you do not have a right, in my opinion, to bitch about anything unless you get out and vote. And, uh, you know, I don't blame a lot of the stuff that city council does on them because people continue to put them into office and the people in this community need to wake up and start paying attention to what's going on around them and put new people in office if those people aren't doing the the right job. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know, uh, Michael, uh, a lot of our officers in the last uh, six months have taken a 500 to $800 pay cut. Who in the heck in Austin, Texas has taken a pay cut these days. Um, that was retaliation from the city council, not to, uh, reinstate the stipends for shift differential, uh, which is people that work night shift, and education pay. If you have a bachelor's degree or above, you get paid more. Um, so if you work in night shift, you're not getting a differential? You do not. The city council voted against it okay. about three months ago. My um, It is Jimmy Flanagan, Ellen Troxclair, um, uh, Ann Kitchen, uh, Greg Cassar, and Ora Houston. Those are the people that voted against labor and against people's right to to have a differential on nights. And that's retaliation against us for not agreeing uh, to their terms in a contract. And it's a a negotiation. And it's something that we've uh, worked with the city management on, and they have overstepped their boundaries in uh, this process. And and, uh, they need to be brought back in. And uh, uh, the only people that can do that is the community. And the people that live in their districts.
3: Now, what do you think our, our city council should do with the homeless situation? What do you think they should do to fix
0: it? You know, it's, we're getting ready to vote on a billion-dollar bond. That's a big issue that's coming up. Um, I know some of them – That was the commission I was not allowed yeah, to be on. Being, yeah. <laughs> and, um, we've seen success in San Antonio. Why is that money not going to something like they do in San Antonio? That's my one of my questions. Um because I don't think we're doing anything for the homeless other than continuing to waste money uh, uh, having them there at the arch. And, uh, you know, the city's providing an environment for people to be victimized in, and that's exactly what is happening down in that area. And uh, I know some of the city council members came down on a a walkthrough on Friday of this past week with uh, uh, some of our chiefs, and uh, I think they were shocked at what they saw and uh, they need to do something for those people because uh, they're they're victims every day. Mm. Justin?
6: I I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we also need to start holding um, people in this community. Not one time have i heard any public official mention anything about a victim or a victim's rights or or doing anything on behalf of a victim. It seems to me is that we're even seeing from our judges now these PR bond issues. There's a big story put out by KVU the other day. About these habitual violent sexual offenders getting PR bonds, mm. PR bonds of personal recognizance bonds, I meaning you're being—that's right. Because
3: there was one just recently where, what was that?
0: The the guy he was on—he uh, had had felony convictions and he had been put in uh, jail for, I think it was tampering with uh, physical evidence and possession of controlled substance, and they had given him a PR bond. And now he's accused of getting out on PR bond and raping a young. He was,
3: um, he was working at the circuit of the right. Americas. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Working at and, and, uh, is now accused of sexually assaulting a young lady.
3: Mm. Yeah. And this, this, this drives, drives home, you know, you, you got to take your own personal safety in your own hands because our, our elected officials that we have here are definitely, they don't care about your personal safety. So don't leave it up to them, you know, to do what they're supposed to do. And, and, taking care of the problems that they actually created. This homeless problem that we have here in Austin, this is a problem that's been created by the city council and also the mayor. So definitely call Mayor Adler at 512-978-2100. That's 512-978-2100. As always, more guns equals less crime. Why and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Happiness, just let
1: me- I'll take my guns, my heart on the rain. I'll take my
2: Bible, you can keep your change.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.